Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Jennifer Dickinson. After an MRI in 2011, Jennifer received the scariest words that she could have ever imagined. You have brain cancer. We need to get you to the hospital right away. No sympathy or cause for concern, just the facts. Pre-cancer, Jennifer lived a life that many of us do. Career first, long hours, not enough time with family and friends, very little sleep, some exercise. She was the personification of the American dream, successful by most of the things we use to measure our lives. If this fact pattern sounds familiar, this is a conversation many of you will resonate with. Jennifer soon was told that her cancer was grade four, statistically not likely that she would survive. But this is a story of healing on one's own terms. Very soon after getting the horrific news, Jennifer started taking control of her life and her health, which she shares in her book, The Case for Hope. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Jennifer, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E-Wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm so happy to have you today. Hi, it's great to be here. Well, we heard a little bit about your story, but I'd love you to just go into a little more detail on what your life was like prior to your diagnosis and maybe some of the symptoms that you had. Well, um, first of all, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's really a, a privilege to be here. When I uh, I was a busy lawyer, I had my own firm. It was a, a big firm. We had 100 people, lawyers and staff, and I was one of the co-managers, there were two of us. And I just lived a really crazy, busy life. And um, I exercised and I thought I was eating well, but I was a stress case really for about um, for about five years until I was diagnosed with the cancer. So <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. And I was wondering like some of the symptoms that you were having. Okay. Well, I was doing really well and I was doing a lot of public speaking events and I was doing really well. I got diagnosed in May of 2011. And um, in January of that year, that's when I started having issues and I had a couple of really famous clients and I would forget their names 
or I would forget, um, I would just forget a word and it, I just couldn't get it. I could understand the problem or whatever the legal issue was, but I couldn't put all the pieces together. My eyesight was also very sensitive to the computer. It was really um, very upsetting, kind of like, wow, what's going on? I can't see properly. So I got these little cheaters, like these little things. Yeah, because at that time I was 40 when we took the, the that, that big company. So those were kind of the symptoms. I was also very tired uh, a lot. Like I would have a full sleep and then I'd, on my way to the office, I'd pull by another office and I'd just sort of sleep a little bit. I was so tired, but I was eating, I was sleeping a full night. So it was very, um, but you know, I just thought I'm stressed out, I'm tired and, and all of that. So those are pretty much the main symptoms. I did go to a neurologist in March. So in January, I started seeing weird things, saw a neurologist in March, and his comment was, all of the lawyers are stressed out. So I was kind of like, oh, and he was like, so, but as I'm going to leave, he said, well, maybe we're going to do some other testing, um, but the company will call you. And that company, and I said, well, I'm going to be doing a lot of public speaking in May. So, you know, we're going to need to coordinate. He goes, oh, they'll call you. Well, of course, after all that time, the, I mean, the cancer is growing very quickly at this time. I didn't know, obviously, anything. And he was so nonchalant about it. But by the time that they were ready for me, I was already having to go to these public speaking events, which were in Florida. I live in Georgia and, you know, I'm having to drive and all of this stuff. Um, but when I did the first event, it went, um, it didn't go so great at the first minute. I had my stupid glasses and I was like, the night before I was looking at my notes and I was like losing my notes. It was, um, I knew this material. I have spoken about it many, many times. It's like boring federal laws that associate with what, you know, we do. Um, but I've spoken to a lot of people about it. It was it was like it was um, it was being erased from me. So I'd make more notes in the margins. It's very strange, right? Now I've got at the the first event that I went to, there are standalone group, you know. So everybody's got a chair. People are standing up. It's Friday at nine a.m. As you know, is a big you know thing. And I've spoken to that group before, but the first minute was agony, and I was just like. I can't. And so I did the whole thing by my memory. But a lady asked me a question after. I had no idea what she meant. I I didn't understand what she was asking. So I just sort of like, I don't know, said something, you know, pushed it around. We could discuss that later. I don't, I don't remember. And I was like, ah, this is not good situation. But the next week I had another one. So I thought, like a really big deal and stuff. Again, you don't think you're going to have cancer or brain cancer. You're not thinking that way. I mean, most people, I don't think so. I certainly didn't. So the second time it was growing so fast that I couldn't even, I did really well at that other one, but this one, it wasn't. And um, the next day I, I went home and I demanded an MRI. The guy was like, well, let's look at other things. 
and uh, I insisted it. I'm yelling, I'm screaming. And um, the next day I did have an MRI and the guy's like, whoa, you know, I hate to tell you this news, but you've got, you know, you've got brain cancer. And um, he said, it's a, it looks like it's a high level, whatever. And I didn't know what's a high, what's a level, what's anything. And I waited for my husband to pick me up and we went to the hospital and that's, that's how it all started. Oh my goodness. So it, it's so, so scary. And very, uh, you know, I'm just wondering how you found hope when you heard from the doctors, uh, there's not a great chance of survival and, and also statistically. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things then that night where I was in the MRI and I went to the doctor's office, my next door neighbor was a brain surgeon and his wife was a nurse who had worked with brain people, brain surgeon people, brain people. Amazing. You can't make it up, right? They had only moved in like a year before. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So they were helping, helping me and um, I'm hugging her, his wife. And she's like, this is bad. Like, I'm not going to lie about this is pretty bad stuff. And I prayed to God. And I was just like, God, please let me live. Please. I've got a first grader and a third grader. Please um, let me live and please let me do this life thing again. So that prayer, and I did not grow up with, with religion, with religion, nothing, nothing really. So, but at that moment, I believe there was a universe, I would say, you know, but I was, there's nothing. But at that moment, I, I felt the presence of God because I was at the bottom of the barrel. I couldn't have been lower. And I looked up and I engaged with God and I felt God's love. I know, I know it sounds like kooky and <laughs> for people, but that's how it went. So they took a sample of my brain um, that night. It was a Thursday and uh, I got there on Thursday and Friday. They took a sample. They did not remove the the cancerous, which the other doctors were like, why didn't they just take it all out? Which I'm kind of glad they didn't because he was not the right doctor for that. But to get, I had to wait like eight days to get this, to, to get the information. Is this a grade four? Or is it grade three or grade four? Well, I mean, it's growing so fast. Oh, and this is eight days. And so you're waiting for the, the biopsy results, right? Exactly. So, but during that time, um, my brother sent me uh, something about Qigong, a video, a DVD. And then my, my mom sent me some information about how cancer thrives and how to do things. So just like a couple of those things. And I had a breathing technique thing to learn about using my breathing and all that stuff. And that's what I did for eight days while I'm waiting and I know it's growing and all this stuff. And those things made all the difference. And I, and I started to think to myself, because I could be calmed, I was calmed by these tools I was using, these few, just a few little tools, that's all. I started to realize if one person could, could beat this, if there's one guy out there, a gal, why can't I beat this? You know, and then I started thinking, and the reason, the only reason I could even get into that place is that I was being calmed 
by the breathing techniques and by understanding a little bit more information about how cancer thrives and uh, the qigong. It's amazing. Those are the those are the main things. And I started to think, you know, we heal all the time. We have broken bones. We have all these kinds of things. Well, why can't I use my figure out about my body so I can support this? Now, I know some people, they say, well, they don't, then they won't do anything through the doctors and all of this stuff. And that's, that is completely their choice, you know, in other words, to go at their own and they're going to just do everything, eat the right foods and stuff. I feel like I can run and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> so I used the traditional medical that had surgery, chemo and radiation. But even with that, that they're just talking about, here's a few more months you will live. You know, it's not like I can cure you. In fact, I'm 11 years clear. I'll almost be 12, but they still act like it's going to come back. That's how they think it is not coming back. It is absolutely not coming back, but that's how they, they, they always think. I love that mindset. I mean, exactly. It's very debilitating to tell people you're going to die without question, no matter what you do. And I would specifically say to the doctor, I had a holistic doctor on the side. So he, you know, which was brilliant. Right. But my normal doc, my oncologist had say, what kind of food should I be taking and stuff? And he'd say, well, whatever, um, you look great. So just keep doing that. Right. And and they don't know better. They don't know. And I love my oncologist. He just doesn't know. They didn't train them on these things. And these things are critical. So that's where I started to think, why not me? Why not me? Um, and I started going into this journey of anything that will support me and help me, I will do. And anything that is bad for me, like toxic people, toxic things. I don't want to be around those things. And so that was kind of my mindset. And then organically, like almost from another realm, I promise this was so, there was no book like what I wrote. And I, later on, I found a couple of books, one book actually, um, that I, I could have used, but you don't know about self-healing until I didn't even know self-healing was a thing, right? But ultimately, I started to say, this is possible. And that's why I ultimately wrote the book. After about two, about a week, a year of it, I was like, oh, I got this. this. This is not that complicated. And then I started, and I was like, I'm beating the odds. Like how, I'm 11 years, I mean, almost 12 years, but the percentage that I would be here is 1.7% amazing. That's craziness. And so, but I coach people, like I've got a guy who was a brain cancer guy, grade four, just like me, glioblastoma. And he couldn't do the surgery, right? The protocol is you do the surgery, then you get radiation with a little bit of chemo, and then you get chemo on top of that afterwards. Usually it's four days a month for whatever period of time six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever. So he could only have a little bit. He had no surgery because it was, it's your brain, right? It's like your computer. It's all mixed up together. So he just took radiation 
and a little chemo for like four weeks. I mean, they, they were like, yeah, whatever, you know, like this is no way. Not going to do much. But my friend knew him and he said, you know, this is exactly what my friend went through. I think I was about three years out at that point. And I was like, got it. I had a paper. I was writing my paper because everybody would say if they had a cancer or something, I would give them my paper. So I went to his house and I just, lo- I said, this is, this is what I did. This is the path because it's about supporting your immune system. It's calming down your nervous system. Calm down, right? Because you're thinking, I'm going to die a very natural feeling. Oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. You got to almost like understand that, but move on to also. And uh, inflammation, like those three things. But I was very specific. It's the mind, it's the body and the spirit. But specifically, what does that mean? Mind, body, spirit. People say that stuff all the time, but I wanted to drill down like as a lawyer, right? What are the bullet points that I need to know about each individual thing in my list on mindfulness in the body and the spirit. And basically what I did for, for, for all of that was what is it? How does it help me? How do I do it? Right. Simple. I mean, my book is not a tome. It's, it's, it's meant for people who are desperately looking for a path they can follow that will improve their situation. Yes. And that's what I really loved about it, that it wasn't overwhelming. You give great tips, some resources. Yes. And, you know, I was, I wanted to go back to Qigong because I have been interested in that and, and I've looked at different videos and it seems like that was such a huge part of your healing. And I'm curious, I know it's hard to explain what it is, but can you try to explain what it is or give some sort of resource that other people can... (sighs) It is phenomenal. And it's it's basically, we all have chi, it's our energy, our life's energy. And what these exercises, it's from China from 2000 years ago. And basically it's a combination of two things, breathing techniques, breathing deeply, breathing in deeply and pushing out slowly, also deeply. Okay, deep breathing is phenomenal towards our healing, our our blood flow, our everything supports our immune system. So it's a combination of the breathing, but also gentle movements. Like I'm just doing some gentle movements here. Like I'm just moving up and down and moving my hands. It's just an example of some of the ways. And you're breathing the whole time in this very gentle movements. You, when let's say you're feeling really sick, you can do it in your chair. I'm sitting in a chair, but it might be best standing up, but they're just gentle movements. And within about five minutes, you start to shift. Everything starts to open. Everything opens. You might even start crying, but you're not crying of sadness. You're, you're, you're crying of, of joy and release and balance. And when in those eight days before I knew, I mean, I knew we knew it was terrible and we had to find a doctor and it was so crazy. But when I was taking those things, I would have a smile on my face. I had a wellness that did not match the terror of my situation. And I was like, well, this stuff is good, (laughs) whatever this. And I used that for, I mean, like every day. And you can go on YouTube and you can see examples of that. I had a 
like a master the CD that I got was from a master. In fact, I really want to go see him. I'd like to even tell him um, because when things like this happen, you become so um, well, you know, you've been through this yourself. Oh, yes. I am so weird now because um, if somebody moves me or if I see somebody at a store or something, it, I am compelled to connect with them. I am compelled to make this world a little bit better and say, that's a really nice top you're wearing. You know, I really like that. It's very flattering. I don't know this person. And my kids are like, oh, mom, you're <laughs> killing it. And we're, you know, like, we're, oh my God, this is horrific. I'm like, I feel compelled to make this world better. And if I can do it through this book or sharing perspective about this kind of uh, illness, or it might not even be cancer, uh, like you and I have gone through, it could just be somebody who needs a path to follow. So all of those things, I find it, it's, it's from my darkest, darkest days, I have found the most wonderful gifts. And I am so grateful for that. Uh, it's so beautiful. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I always say it, it, it takes a huge knock on your door to, to make changes. And, you know, by doing this podcast, hopefully people see that maybe they can make some changes in their lives before they get the diagnosis. And I know that's, you know, not always the case, right? That's the whole goal. That's the whole goal is to get consciousness out there in the world. So they say, wow, you know, geez, maybe I'm drinking too much alcohol. Alcohol is just going to knock you down. And I know that's, ooh, don't talk about that, but it does and knocks you down. Or maybe I could walk for 10 minutes, you know, every day. And then maybe I push it to 15 days and, or 15 minutes. I'm seeing this already because I was well known when I got sick. I mean, I had my, I was a female lawyer who had my own big practice and we had offices all throughout Georgia. It was kind of a big deal. So when I knocked down, everybody knew about it. And, st and still now people would be like, oh, what? Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like what happened to you? You're here. How are you here? But my whole goal is to, what if my big, my big goal is what if, enough people started to understand how they are completely in control of their own health and wellness and mindfulness. And that what if enough people are like, wait a minute, it's not just about pills and drugs and all of these things. And people saying, you don't have any chance, get your papers in orders. Yes. Like me. And I did do that. And that is smart to do that. But there's so much hope out there. There's so many other ways to become well again, but you, you do have to do the work. You know, it's not a pill. You have to, you have to have the will to be well. And one thing that the doctor told me, uh, the doctor who did my surgery, Dr. Mickey in Texas, who was phenomenal guy, he said, you didn't do anything wrong. Don't worry. You know, this just happened. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that lie at that moment because I couldn't take any more. I mean, it was as bad as it could be, right? But overall, I was like, but wait a minute. I was a stress case for five years in my firm. We had the financial crisis happening in Georgia 
when we're a real estate litigation group, right? I'm on the real estate, real estate side. They were decimated that time, 2007, 2008. And I started to realize I was a stress case. I was not in balance. I was every day I was in that fight and flight, uh, fight and fight, whatever yeah, that is. Fight or flight. Yes. Every day. And you cannot live that way. You have. And so I changed everything. Like we talked about, you know, what's good for me? I'll do it. Something bad for me? Not doing it. So was that a quick decision? I mean, you know, did these things take time or were you like, okay, Chi Kong came to you because was it your mother who gave you or your brother? I can't remember. Yes. My dad, my brother. Okay. So were these things like, okay, I got to take control of my health ASAP because this does not look good. Such a, I'm so glad you asked that question because at the first, no, right. At first I was just like, I'm 44 and I've got these little girls, first grade and third grade. They need a mom. I need to be their mom. Right. Like I was just in panic, sad, like what, how did this happen? But when those tools came into me and I use the word tools all the time, when those tools came to me, my brother and the information my mom sent me, that shifted everything because it gave me an opportunity to feel well, even though my circumstance didn't reflect that I should be feeling that well, right? And, and I was well, and I was okay, and I was whole, even though I had cancer growing in my brain. And, and that, having that information right at the beginning was everything. That was huge. It was very big for me uh, because I started to relax a little bit and say, okay, I think I can, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing everything I can at this thing. So that was important. And, and, you know, a lot of people, I get referrals all the time for people, definitely lots of cancer people, brain, brain people, um, but all kinds of people. And the thing that frustrates me so much is that I love talking to these people, but so many people are like, eh, well, if this doesn't work, we'll use your approach, right? And I'm like, no, doesn't work that way. You throw everything you can yes. at the front of it, right? Like, as you know, you throw everything right now. We had a kid, he was um, 12 and he went to school with my daughter and he had glioblastoma. And I told the mom the story, you know, I said, my experience, I said, please, I have these, these tools and they're really make a big difference. And okay. You know, that's, I believe in God and um, I believe in God too, but also sometimes we have to physically do certain, certain things. So the kids, he's 12, right? So the kids in the hospital and stuff, they're giving him candy and all this stuff. Well, did you know that is the worst thing if you're dealing with cancer to be taking in sugar, which is exactly what feeds a cancer cell, right? They love it. They love you eating crappy. <laughs> they love it. And unfortunately, uh, so he was okay for a while, but this is the, the nature of this glioblastoma is you usually get it back worse than it was. And then that's it. And he lost his eyesight. He lost all these things. But then she calls me back. Now this is seven months later. And she says, um, so tell me about the things that you were doing. Right. 
Oh, heartbreak. It's because there's a timing element of be when you get sick, you got to get it on. So, you know, if you have a book like this, for example, it gives you a path, right? And the doctors aren't going to give you that path. Most doctors that none of the ones that I've, unless you're a holistic doctor, they don't teach that. No, not at all. They don't teach you how to breathe deeply. Um, don't drink alcohol exercise, mindfulness, spirituality. These are very, very important, critical things for your whole system to adjust and change. And when my doctor one time, he said, when it comes back, you know, I was a year out, right? And he's like, when it comes back. And I said, if it comes back. And he said the same thing. He said the same thing, when it, and we're like fighting. We're fighting. I won. I won. That's for sure. <laughs> After the fourth time, he stopped. He stopped. And my word said, and I said, if, you know, and that's what you get. So don't look for hope from these doctors who are traditional medical doctors. I love my oncologist, like I said, but I don't know how they understand how they just devalue a person's chance or hope to live by saying the things that they say Absolutely, because they don't have hope. They don't have hope. So you got to figure it out yourself. And that's that is such a powerful message because people look at their doctors as superior and, and, you know, godlike, and I'm just going to do what my doctor tells me, but we have this innate wisdom in us and our bodies have an amazing ability to heal. So, and you're proof of that. It's just so, so inspiring. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfulcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. I quickly wanted to ask you, because you did talk about Barrett. I want to know what it means to you. And and just you, you explain it so well in your book, because, you know, so many people think it's religion. Oh, I'm not religious. I'm not into spirituality. But can you go into that a little bit? I'm so glad you mentioned it. Oh, boy, I, I feel like um, you can see kind of behind me. I've got I had this lady make this for me because this is how my I was drawn terrible in art. So and the, it's a tree. It's tree of life. Tree of life. And the bottom is the body. And in the center, it's the mind. 
And to me, the spirit is the vaulted tops of the trees, right? That's how I feel it. And when we're healing, I talk about body, right? I kind of think that's the most boring part, actually, you know, the nutrition and stuff. I mean, it's critical, right? It's the base of the tree, but the mindfulness stuff, Ooh, that starts getting really cool. And then the spiritual is like, that's the super juice, right? So for me, um, the spirituality part of me was, wow, I had a connection that I had never had before. Like I had the surgery. And so you're really, so the people who had brain cancer, you're very swollen, you're, you're wrapped up for a while. My senses were on fire. Like a bird, I would just start tearing. I'm alive. I'm alive. There's, this, there's an, an aliveness that comes from being very present and understanding that there's spirit that is holding you and that is inside you and around you. My line that I love because they told me, and I'll tell you who told me in a second, but they said, um, you are loved and you are love. Mm. You in your essence, you are love. Now I'm broken. I am more broken than anything. How did I get in this situation? I've got brain, you know, they've just tinkered in my brain and done all these things, but I was getting these messages. And this is for me, how it came is I was starting to get messages from this other realm. It was God. And I'm always, I'm like, no one could believe it because I always used to be, what is everybody doing on Sunday? I'm snoozing in. What are you people doing on Sunday? It's like, literally, it's kind of amazing. But once you see that truth, it's unreal. And I've heard it from a lot of people that they've gotten these messages. Yes. They started sending me messages and I always have like a legal pad with me. This is my life, my world legal pad. In the middle of the night, normally, like just to, just as I was getting ready to go to sleep, oh, so wonderful. They would come in and they would start talking to me. And at first I was just like questioning it, right? You know, I'm a lawyer, right? Like, what is this? Am I just talking? Am I? And it was well beyond anything like that. And we talked about all kinds of things. And the message were high, very high level, like the vaulted trees. This wasn't like, which car should I buy? (laughs) It was, it was well beyond. And, um, what this world is about. One of the things that they said was, um, you know, we are all sisters and brothers. Like you are my sister and my brothers. We are all the same. And the fact that people are trying to separate us in any reason, fashion is actually not in our spirit. Our spirit is very, is very connected. We're very together. And I, I love to use these examples about how we go to like a concert or something like your favorite concert and everybody is singing the words at the same time. That's the juice. We're humans meaning to be around other humans. And that is the juice. That's that's what helps us. So now is that you said you were in the hospital and you were having these conversations. Was this just with God, you and God, or was this other people? Yes. You were asking the best questions. <laughs> I so appreciate it. When I was in the hospital, no, I just prayed to God. Right. And I didn't know, but I just started getting messages once I got home 
And through this whole process, I started getting these messages and I would write it. It would be like an hour. I'd just write and I'd try to be quiet because I need a little light, you know, but I would just write like I was like a scribe and they were giving me this information. And then um, sometimes I had my grandmother came through, my grandfather came through, and I would always ask to give me like a nugget so that I could confirm it. Because I was, especially at the beginning, you're kind of like, ah, what am I, like I was saying, you question this. Um, so I'd ask for a nugget, give me something. And they would always give me something really incredible. In fact, one time my dad, my dad here in this earth, his dad came through and he told me a whole such details. He was an I Italian immigrant that came to New York City um, when he was 15, you know, like the American dream, this kind of thing. It's kind of an amazing story. But anyway, he was coming in, he was telling me all kinds of stuff. And I told my dad the next day and he goes, how are you doing this? He goes, everything you're telling me is accurate. There's no way you could have known this. You know, like when my dad was little, he's giving me information. So for whatever reason, I was open. I was completely open because when you're knocked down that far, as a lawyer, I thought, well, I'm a lawyer and I've got my own firm and stuff. That stuff meant nothing to me. And by letting that go and understanding who am, who am I? I am not defined by I'm a lawyer. I, you know, that means it was amazing to me how I realized that stuff didn't mean anything to me. And by letting go, I was able to see this whole other realm and understandings that I desperately needed to heal me. And it wasn't just the food and the sleep and the rest. It was this, right, it, that mental aspect. And I remember saying, why did I have to become a lawyer? Like, what, you know, why did I have to do that? And why did I have to have my own firm? And, you know, and then right in the middle of a financial crisis, like I could, it was too stressful for me. And there were messages, you know, I mean, they, they had messages for me. Um, again, very high level stuff. And I was, and it, it continues and it continues, but it was a lot in the first two years, like a lot. And I've got all the <laughs> crazy notes and stuff. My husband would be like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing, nothing. Sorry, I go to sleep. <laughs> that is amazing. I know I was thinking about that because, you know, when you're a lawyer or whatever profession, a doctor, a CPA, whatever it is, you know, we were known by that. That's our identity. And you quickly saw that that is not important. That is not the essence of who you are. Yeah. This is so powerful. I, yeah. I'm so glad that we talked about that. And um, I just, before we get into random round, I just wanted to ask, is there any last piece of advice? You gave so much amazing advice to the listeners, but is there any last piece that you just want to leave us with? Mm. You're perfectly formed. There's nothing wrong with you and you are beautiful and you are loved and you are love. And in that you can achieve anything, you know, it's just you, even if I didn't do anything and even if you don't do anything, you already have everything that you need already. You're, you're, you know, it's just, 
You don't have to achieve or do or whatever. And people are going to go in all different kind of paths, but you're perfect as you are right now, exactly as you are. If you choose to go this direction, super duper. You go to choose this, I accept that too. You know, I just, I do believe in that. Mm, that is beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Now, are you ready for random round? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to put my glasses because I, I wrote notes. I wrote oh, notes. Oh, <laughs> sounds good. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is. Okay. Exhilaration and feeling alive. The last show you binged and loved. Okay. I almost thought about lying, but I'm not going to lie because it's okay. Um, it's this show called Emily in Paris and it's, it's so cute. It's, it's so good. And you know, sometimes you need a break. You need a release from talking about cancer or other, although I, I do love talking about this because it in trying to heal other people and help other people, but it's just the cutest little show and joyful. And I went to school in Paris for um, about like seven months when I was in college, uh, in college, and they use a lot of French words, which strangely, it, with some of the problems that I had with where the brain cancer was, I couldn't get a word that would be uh, a, a normal word from English, but I could get it in French. Isn't that interesting? Really? So interesting. So interesting. Isn't it weird? Yeah, how the brain works, but yes. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? Mm, that's so easy. I use my breathing techniques. Breathe in, breathe out slowly, 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 even five minutes, which is not a lot of time. That gets me, it calms me down. And then my mind can start thinking a little differently than just, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. You know, it just, you can start to be freer again about your thoughts. Mm. It's good stuff. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? So me, <laughs> it would be Jesus. But I have like weird questions. Like I want to know, did he, was he ever married? Like every, I've talked to these people and they're like, well, you know, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say I'm like, well, I need to, I would like to know about this this person. And um, I know some people don't believe Jesus is the son of God and, and all these things, but w whatever, something really big happened <laughs> 2000 years. And I think I'd be really curious to, to sit down and talk like that, not in the middle of the night, taking, you know, like just eye to eye. I think that'd be neat. That's great. What is your favorite go-to snack? Oh yeah. I, always have a piece of fruit with me of some kind. And then I always have um, nuts and then I'll put all different types of nuts and then I'll put some raisins in there and just shake it up. And I just carry it in a little bag. That's my little snack. And I always tell people, I always tell people you're going to get hungry. So bring this stuff with you. And cause they're like, Oh, I feel so bad. I ate the rest of a cake at the office or I eat. Yeah, because your body is built to eat, you know, so be surrounded with good things that can support you. Those are those are the things I bring. Preparation, right? Yeah. What is one simple thing that brings you joy? 
Oh, I love laughing. I love laughing. That makes me so, yeah, that's good stuff. So healing. What is on your nightstand? (laughs) Okay. I have my book, which I know that sounds cheesy, but it calms me down. Like I'll just flip over. I'll just like, what's, what's this? And I just start reading it and it just calms me down. And my, my next one, I have read this, but I'm reading it again, which is the biology of belief. And that's by um, Bruce Lipton. Yes. I interviewed him. He's (gasps) amazing. Yeah. So you'll have to go back and listen. Oh, I'm going to find it because he, um, he's, he's the bomb. He changes the way think people think, Oh, I, if, if I have it in my DNA, then I'm going to get this. And he says, no, no, no. It's your, your um, environment, your perceptions and attitude. Yes, exactly. It's wonderful. Yes. And you could change the expression of your genes. It's, it's good stuff. Yes. What is your favorite form of exercise? My favorite is I love we have these trails by there's a high school near me and they have trails and I love running in the trails and uh, I take my dog with me and we go through the trails and go through all that way. That is my, I love it. You've got the trees around you. You've got the birds chirping, a little bit of sun. I love that. What is one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? I'm so grateful to be alive. I am so grateful. And every day I feel that way. Every single day, I am so grateful to be here. It's a blessing to be here. Oh, that's so beautiful. And where can people find you if they want to learn more? Well, um, they can go to my website, which is jenniferdickinson.com. And that I've got tons of information. You can get my book in Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble and lots of places out there. But um, the book is The Case for Hope, What I Learned on My Journey from Cancer to Wellness, We Can Heal. And I say that because there's another book in Amazon that The Case for Hope, (laughs) but his is really pretty much just a spiritual, just about spirituality and I'm mind, body and spirit. So Mm, perfect. But I'd love it if people could come see me. I'd love to hear what they have to say. Wonderful. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I know so many people are going to just be inspired listening to your story. So thank you. I hope so. Thank you so much for this opportunity. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.